Father, as we come to your word, we ask now that you would quicken our hearts and our minds to receive from you, Lord. You are in this room, Holy Spirit. You said if we gather in your name, you'd be right there. And although our eyes physically, we can't see you, we know you're present. You're here to exalt Jesus, to illuminate your word, to be our paraclete, to be our dunamis, the empowerment of the spirit of God. We rely on it for me to preach it, for us to receive it, and may it come from you directly to us. And may it bring about a, a serious crop, a hundredfold. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So last week of the series called um, Wait What? I want to talk to you about living in the kingdom. The title of the sermon this morning is Kingdom Life. Last week we talked about greater things. And unfortunately most believers don't enjoy that greater thing level of living like John chapter 14 verse 12 says. Jesus says, as I leave my earthly ministry and go to heaven, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And because of that, you will do even greater things than what I've done. How many of you claim you want to be a part of doing greater things? You want to experience greater things. Come on. How many of you activate your faith right now? Just uh, greater things. That's our inheritance. That's our normalized standard as his children. Jesus said, you'll do greater things because I send my spirit. And um, thinking about this kingdom life, and I'm going to define the kingdom here in a few minutes, but this morning and, the, and throughout the weekend, this song is what's been on my heart. That song that we sing in the bridge, it says, this is what living looks like. Um, this is what heaven sounds like. This is what freedom feels like. And so I just want to bring the word, stretch you a little bit, and help you see the template, the paradigm that God has for us. And we're going to, our launching pad for this teaching is going to come from one of the greatest conversations in the Bible between Nicodemus and Jesus. And we see it in John chapter 3, and it starts in verse 1. You can read along with me in the NIV. It's on the screen. Now there was a Pharisee, a religious leader, a, a, an impressive in that day. We would see them as a dark, ominous character because we've been trained. But if you saw them in that day, they were the most impressive, upright, um, morally conservative folks. There was a man, a Pharisee named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night of all times, and he said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you were doing if God were not with him. And Jesus replied, if you track this conversation now, looking back, you're like, Jesus, did you hear what he did? Wait, why are you saying that? Verse 3, he says, Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom. Everybody say those three words. No one can see the kingdom unless they are born again. First time we see this phrase. Verse 4, Nicodemus asked, how, how can someone be born when they're old? Surely... They cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered again, wait, what? Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom. Now, we just said, see the kingdom. Now we see Jesus say, enter the kingdom. Say that with me, enter the kingdom. Unless they are born of water, salvation, and the spirit have an experience an infilling, an outpouring, a baptism in the Holy Spirit, whatever you want to call it. 
And then Jesus says, flesh gives birth to flesh, but spirit gives birth to the spirit. And it may have been the way he was looking at him. Jesus said, you, you should not be surprised at my saying. You must be born again. And then Jesus describes what it is to live under the control of the Holy Spirit. He said, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. And again, Nicodemus, how can this be? And Nicodemus asked. And Jesus said, Nicodemus, you are the teacher. You're Israel's teacher. And you don't understand these things? It's a very revealing conversation. And I want us to take a look at a couple things. And at the end of this discussion about this conversation, I want to give you three things that we need to download. And the first thing I want us to know is, right here, we have a religious leader. He is educated, sophisticated. He's a prestigious person. Everywhere he went, he just carried it. You could see it in his gait. His body language said, that, that's an important guy. When he went into the temple, the places of worship, which was the place in his day, when he went there, everybody knew him. And any of the assistants, the kind of understudies, if he was there, they, they, they did it right because Nicodemus was here. This was an important, impressive, prestigious man who was shoulders up only. He had some intellectual, mental ascent. And he was an expert in the Old Testament, which was the Bible at that time. And it was all shoulders up. And he went to see Jesus at night. We don't know why. I think we, we can guess. You know, why did, he, why did he go at night? Was it because he could never get him by himself in the day there was always a line? Jesus was busy, too many people wanting to talk to him. He couldn't get a private conversation or was he afraid of being seen as a Pharisee talking to the one who claimed to be the Messiah? That's probably the reason he went at night. And you got to hear, there was something pricking his heart to go, you need to go find out how that guy's doing that stuff. And so Nicodemus being an expert in the law, Nicodemus being a truth only a head only, no spirit, only truth. You need to go find out what's happening. And when you've got only truth, you can be dangerous. You can be legalistic, having not living out of the tree of knowledge versus the tree of life. And that's what Nicodemus was. One time Jesus was talking to people that were shoulders up only. And he said to them, you search the scriptures and think that you can make a living out of just knowing what the scriptures say. You think there's salvation just in being able to quote verses. And you don't even realize, hear me, those verses that you've memorized tell you who I am. And you don't even recognize me. That's what truth only, and this is what he was dealing with, but you've got, and it's in, in John 7, and later in John 19, we see Nicodemus never did get away from this conversation. I wonder about Nicodemus, actually. He may have become a convert, because when it counted, 
Jesus was crucified and they had to bury him, Nicodemus is involved. And so he comes to ask Jesus, where are you getting that power? The second thing I want you to notice is that Jesus gives him a, wait, what answer if there ever was one? And he says, in verse 3, no one can see the kingdom unless they are born again. The kingdom. Everybody say, kingdom of God. And Jesus says, Nicodemus, you're asking about something you don't get. The kingdom of God. You know there's something different. Nicodemus would have said, Jesus, we, we, we talk and dress in flowing impressive religious garb and we try to tell people the prophets say you ever had anybody that just waxes like religious and and they say God in a certain way I hate when pastors and people say God like you know (laughs) don't you like you don't talk that way at home and thinking about this sermon uh Steve Allen called me always calls me on Sunday morning on my way here and says anything I need to know any surprises blah 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 he changes and he called, and I saw his name. I, said, yeah, I answered. I said, this is Bishop Ramsey. And he goes, Bishop Ramsey. I said, in fact, it's ordained Bishop Ramsey. Aren't, don't you feel better knowing your pastor isn't just PC or Pastor Chuck or Candace, but I'm an ordained bishop in the church of God. Um, but you hate that stuff. And Nicodemus, he, he had to be going... We, we quote the prophets with a special anointed voice. And you're out there t- saying a farmer took some seed and threw it on the ground. And everybody is spellbound when you're talking. You tell a story about a man who's got two sons. The younger one took his inheritance and squandered. And these miracles. He's saying our system of religion It has no power. And we didn't know it until you showed up. How are you doing this? And Jesus says, you got to be born again to see. And there's two terms I want us to break. First, he goes, the kingdom. Kingdom of God. I wonder how many of us in here understand the kingdom of God. Jesus said the kingdom of God is... Now that I'm here in Mark 1, 15, he said, the kingdom is at hand. It's like within your reach. Jesus said later, you, when you see the kingdom, like it's here. You won't go, ooh, it's there and it's there. Because the kingdom is within you. The Bible says everywhere he went, he preached the gospel of the kingdom. And a kingdom has a king and a domain. And there's a king who has a rule. It's interesting. People don't even understand the need for the kingdom of God or the need to understand it until they realize that's what God intended for Adam and Eve in the garden. And he gave them dominion over all the earth, the animals and everything. And then they forfeited it, listen to me, and gave the key to that dominion to Satan. And then Jesus, as soon as that happened, the Bible says Jesus will come and he will take the kingdom back. And so Jesus did come. And now, listen, 
there's a kingdom that has been released in a failed kingdom that was stolen. That's why we teach, Barbara Williams does her 10-week class on spiritual warfare. Because there's a kingdom, and John said the kingdom of God suffereth violence. And the violent take it by force. And what I'm preaching to you today is I want you to, to move beyond being religious, shoulders up, knowing the verses, checking the stuff off the list, to having a, a real hard experience. Because Jesus said to Nicodemus, you can't even see the kingdom until you get born again. And then here's the next phrase we see, born again. Can you imagine, this is like, this is the first time anybody's ever heard this. This is the, the, the epic, wait, what? You're telling me. And Nicodemus, good thing they were alone because he started asking questions we would ask. Like, what do I do? Try and get back in my mother's womb? How's this, how's this happen? And everybody listen. Jesus is going, like, here's what Jesus is saying. Same thing he said to us when we came to him. Listen, he was like, Nicodemus, where you are and where you want to be, it's so far, you're going to have to get born again. In fact, it's like, actually, you're going to have to like, you haven't even been born yet. Anybody remember when you got born again? Everybody talks about, man, my life got so much better. No, it didn't. When you got born again, you got, you finally got life. You weren't living. You were living in black and white in some old rabbit ear TV, little 12-inch screen, no cable TV to you. Anybody remember when your little brother had to go turn the channel because you didn't, poor little old us that grew up in the 70s, we didn't have remote controls. But we did have little brothers. <laughs> Problem is, I had two older sisters, and I was their little brother. But when you, when you move from that to HD and what we have now, hear me. If your life, if you have not been born again, what happens when you get born again? You, you get life. Recently, a couple of my kids, we were sitting around, and it was during a meal, and one of the boys said, Dad, you know... The problem is when you become a Christian and you go back to your friends and around the stuff you used to do, it's hard to not do that stuff. And I just was like, I hope somebody else will answer him. And one of the other siblings said, no, I don't think you understand. Like when you get saved, something happens. And what happens is you don't want to go back to those old things. And, and, those old, and what happens is the, the very essence, the spirit of Jesus, you get regenerated. And you, actually you get generated because you never were. You get like born again. We have so undersold salvation. We've lowered the standard so much and we've kind of let grade it on the curb and let people in the side door. And no wonder, people can't see the kingdom. And I would say to you, if you're sitting here going, I, I don't know what you're talking about, Pastor Chuck. 
Can I lovingly say, I'm concerned for you. If you can't, like right now, if you have been born again, you should be able to see the kingdom and the spirit of the world. If you can't go, ooh, I see the spirit of the world and the plan of the enemy. That's probably evidence that you, you have a, you've been born into this kingdom. How many of you, are, you, do you remember when you got saved? It was glorious, right? Aren't you glad it's still glorious? And listen, there's this thought that you get saved and it's like an old battery. You begin to lose power and you're going to pray you barely make it to heaven. That's wrong. You, what is it supposed to be like then, Pastor Chuck? You ne- your faith doesn't decrease and lose power. There's a battle, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness, but you're an overcomer and you have truth and spirit and you can stand up and fight those battles and you're an overcomer. And hear me, like, your faith doesn't just kind of, we think that's what's happening to the church. It's like, Jesus, hurry and come back now because we're losing market share. That's bad theology. We preach the truth of God's word. The Holy Spirit comes to confirm it. Signs and wonders follow. And it's the Holy Spirit confirming in the supernatural healings and the miracles that the word of God is true and the God of the word is alive. And listen, miracles are not for Christians to go, wow, that was awesome. Miracles aren't even for Christians in one sense. There's so your lost family and friends and neighbors can see what God's doing in your life, experiencing greater things that they'll want what you have. Are y'all out there? And so today, like Nicodemus, I, I just, be born again. We're going to talk about it in just a second. Now, the kingdom of God, I want to say this verse real quick. My, there, there are a lot of verses that help illustrate the kingdom of God, but my favorite because it's like a whole series in one verse. Paul said, it's not, in Romans 14, 17, he said, it's not about what you eat. They're arguing, can we eat pork? Can we eat bacon? That's like a, that's the worst part of being a Jew. You don't get any bacon, you know? Um, Aren't you glad you're a Gentile saved and now we're all one in Christ and you can eat a good BLT. Come on, somebody. Um, But Paul was like, quit Quit with all the silly truth, shoulders up, intellectual arguments. It's not about, it is about what you eat, but it's like so much more than that. Like you don't just eat. And later Paul would say, your body's a temple of God, so treat it accordingly. But he said, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. And righteousness, I know it's a Bible word, but it's real simple. You get in the right position with God, right standing with God. If Pastor Arvo and I are sideways ever over anything, we, we, we're not in right standing. And if I've wronged him or done something carelessly and I have to go and say, which probably will happen more than once in our ministry partnership, and I go, you know, Arvo, I, I wasn't thinking, I'm sorry. And then we get back right in right relation. And the Bible says that we get in right relationship, not because of anything we we couldn't. We're so jacked up, so far away from God, so just messed up, dysfunctional. We could never get right with God. 
Here's another thing that's so glorious that we have so decreased and made Jesus just our heavenly boyfriend. We, we get right with him, with God, because of what Jesus did on the cross. And when we take communion the first Sunday of every month, I pray you never let it just kind of lose its, its appeal. No. The Bible teaches that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And what that means is, Jesus, our bank account was overdrawn. We were putting bad checks, chasing bad checks. And he imputed his righteousness into our account and made it an unlimited account. And so that God looks at us the same way he looks at his son, Jesus. That's why we get to call him our elder brother. This isn't like pie in the sky theology. This is the great stuff that God deliver us from TED Talks and how to balance your checkbook. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, who, was die who died on the cross, buried, and resurrected. Aren't you thankful for a glorious Savior? Aren't you glad Emmanuel has come? We praise you, Lord. And then you get to be in right, in right standing, right relationship. The fruit of that, it's not you get righteousness. Now, all right, let's go figure out the peace thing. No, peace is the fruit of being in right standing with God. I don't have shame, guilt, condemnation, worry, fear, anxiety. I have confidence. I have real faith. I literally have the life of Jesus in me taking over as long as I submit to Righteousness, peace. And those two things, what's the result of that? Joy in the Holy Spirit. There's, there's a lot of joy in here. You know what joy in the Holy Spirit is? That when you get to live your life like a nine-year-old the rest of your life. Y'all know what that is? Oh, to be nine years old again, run around in the backyard with nothing but your underwear on, you know? To worship like you're the only person in the sanctuary. And I'm not talking about disorderly, draw attention to yourself, be a distraction to others. I'm talking about just being who you are, who he created you to be. Am I making anybody picking up a little bit of what I'm putting down? Listen, I, I, I pray a revelation of righteousness. You'll never earn it. It's a free gift. Jesus, the glory of the cross the crucified savior and the risen lord and that spirit that conceived him in that teenage mother's womb and that's that same spirit that brought him out of the tomb not a watered down version not a secondhand ebayed version that same spirit is what's causing me to grow in Christ-likeness. That should give us joy in the Holy Spirit. How much joy in the Holy Spirit do we have? Not enough. Are y'all out there? Yeah. All right. Now, the third thing. Nicodemus, I can't see the kingdom until I'm born again. Verse 5, Jesus takes him, talking about pulling the rubber band back. He goes, 
Very truly, I tell you. You know, Jesus is saying, for real here, listen up. No one can enter the kingdom. We went from seeing it, being able to recognize it, to now entering it, being a player. Off the sidelines, in the game, Jesus says, unless they are born of water and spirit. Now, just follow me closely. What's the, I think it's a clear reference to salvation and spirit-filled living. He says, born of, what's born of water? Just the next chapter, he says to the woman at the well, look what it says. And, and this is water that quenches your thirst. How many of you have tasted of that water? Yeah. Come on, how many, of, how many of you have had your, how many of you had your, your deep, soul level thirst quenched again it's a tepid response because we're a bunch of american christians we get satisfied by a million things and then when we're at a low point we need a little more salvation in our life that's not what jesus was talking to the woman at the well he says this in verse 10 if you only knew the gift of god that god has for you and who you are speaking, you would ask me, and I would give you, look, here's another, wait, what term? Living water. What is that? Those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, and look at this term, bubbling spring. It's a little bit more than you need, just kind of gurgling up. It's a bubbling spring, giving them eternal life. John chapter 7, Jesus, there's another reference to the baptism of the Holy Spirit-filled living. He says this, on the last day and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood up and said in a loud voice. How many of you thank God it said a loud voice? So everybody, why would he say? Because they were taking at the feast to remind them of the miracle of crossing the Jordan and the Dead Sea, the Red Sea, I'm sorry, that they were taking literally hundreds of gallons of waters in big cisterns at the top of the temple steps, and they would tip them over, and that you would hear that water just crash down the steps. He wasn't saying it loud because he was Pentecostal. He was saying it loud because he had an important message that he wanted everybody to hear as they were celebrating Praise God, you brought Moses and our people across that Red Sea miraculously. This is a moment of great worship. And Jesus says, you think that's something? Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, look at these terms, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Everybody look here. Rivers of living what Rivers. What is a river? It's a body of water that flows in low places that are open to receiving it. You stand on the side of a riverbed and you, look, you think it runs straight. You get up in the plane, you look down that, you're like, no, it goes all over the place. And it goes where there's an opening and it's a low place. 
And the same is true with us. Holy Spirit comes when we have a low place where we will humble ourselves and say, I'm open to receiving that. And then what does it bring? It's a living water. It gets water out into the desert or into places. That's why the Bible always talks about being planted by a river of water. Those trees, that vegetation is greater. And then it says, it will flow. It will never end. Do you see these pictures? And Jesus is saying, that's what it's going to be like with someone who is living in the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, I believe has experienced Acts chapter 2, baptism of the Holy Spirit. There'll be a river of living water that brings vegetation. How many of your low places have gotten water to people besides yourself that other people in your family or friends needed? That's what Holy Spirit living is about. And, and the thing I love the most is it says it flows. We have a little pond out on our property where we live, and it's got three streams that flow into it. We never have to worry about a drought. We have to worry about making sure that thing that gets that water off never clogs up. That's what the Holy Spirit... That's what God wants to give each one of us. He wants to give us such a really born again to see the kingdom, born of the spirit to enter, be in the game, be someone who gets life not only to me, but to others. Are y'all out there? Anybody picking up what I'm putting down? Now, Pastor Chuck, like you really born of water, salvation, born of the spirit. How, how, do you, how are you connecting all that? A couple things. Listen close. I want to teach. Please listen. Because I think that there's going to be, for those who are open today to what the Word is saying to us through the Spirit, um, there's going to be a, your life today, today can be markedly different from what it is right now to moving forward the rest of your life. How many of you believe that that's possible? Okay, now... I, I'm asking you to, to get engaged. I ask you that because I want you to believe it. I want you to activate your faith. Move to the edge of the, your seat in your faith. So how can we really go? You think that's what that is. Well, the very next thing Jesus says to him is, you know, the wind comes right after he says, born of the spirit to enter the kingdom. He says, the wind, we don't know where it comes from or where it's going. And it's just like that for people who have been born of the Spirit. And there's that picture we had last week. Truth and Spirit. A rudder for truth, grounded, and a, a sail up to catch the Spirit. And Jesus says, we don't know where the Holy Spirit came, where the wind came from. We don't know where it's going. And that, some of us right there, we're like, ah, I'm out. Because I like, I like to have a plan. I like to know where I'm coming from and where I'm going. And that is, that's a disqualifier. If you're like, I'm a type A, I'm self-reliant. I love the Lord and all that. I kind of like you, Pastor Chuck, but I don't know about the Holy Spirit. And you need to ask yourself, you want to, you, is Nicodemus enough? Quoting scripture, but not experiencing the manifestation of the truth of those scriptures. Ruach, we see this all through scriptures. That's why I think it's a, it's a clear reference. 
In, in Genesis, Adam's laying there perfectly chiseled, handsome. He, he, he's better than Schwarzenegger, any of them. But he's lifeless. He cannot move. He doesn't have, he's not alive. And God, ruach, breath of God, moving wind out of the being of the eternal omnipotent God into an Adam, you've heard me talk about Adam's first look was a, his heart was filled with worship when he became a living being. God was right there. We see it, Jesus refers to it. We see it the darkest day for the disciples that turned around in an instant after Jesus was crucified. And in John chapter 20, the women come to the disciples who are locked up in a room and the women go, we've seen him, he's alive. And there had to be a, yeah, whatever, wait, what? And then the next thing we see, look what it says. Jesus appeared, verse 19, on the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands inside. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord, you think? Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. I don't have time to break all this down. We're seeing righteousness peace, joy. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. That's a whole series right there. So as God sent you from heaven to earth, you're sending us from here, just like he sent you. And Jesus was like, yeah. So what did he do? The same thing God did at Jesus' baptism. Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit so that you'll have all the tools in your toolbox that I had when I left heaven. Anybody picking up on the, how profound that is? And then he says, he breathed on them. Acts chapter 2, look at what it says. And I'm coming to a close here quickly. Acts two, I'm just giving you, when you see this in Scripture, the wind of the Spirit, and it's supernatural source and direction. You can't unsee it. It's all through scripture. Acts chapter one, what Jesus say? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. you. It's the gift my father has promised. And after you receive that power, it won't be for you to be a stud Christian. It'll be for you to be an effective witness. How many know there's a big difference? Not a show off Christian, but to be a practical resource. A living epistle, a written letter. Your life is a letter to people on planet earth that God is a loving God. He's a real God. And they prayed for 10 days. In Acts chapter 2, what happened? What Jesus said would. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord. In one, they were unified and in the same place. Everybody, look at what verse 2 says. This is the beginning this is the, the origin of the, the church is conceived right here. Verse 2, suddenly there came a sound from heaven. Something came to the earth from heaven. And it was as of a rushing, and I love that word, might, mighty. Here we are, kingdom, royal terms again, reigning in life. A mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. How many of you want, 
I'm asking, don't even, don't even respond out loud. Do we want to have a well-intentioned, sincere, biblical, shoulders-up experience only? Or does the world need things from heaven? That's what the kingdom of God is. Heaven on earth. And it's, it's available. I said it's available for us corporately and for you personally. Anybody out there picking up what I'm putting down? Now, what, do, do you want that? Yes, we do. Let me ask you. Are you reigning in life? Are you, ask yourself honestly. I've asked myself honestly in preparing this sermon. It's a tough question. Am I experiencing greater things? Am I an overcomer? Is the kingdom of God in my life and through my life, is it growing or shrinking? I know there's battles for the kingdom of God to grow in my I'm going to have to fight against the kingdom of this world. Is it growing in my life? If it's not, I lovingly, as your pastor, ask you, would you wonder, is there something maybe I'm missing? Is there something I don't know or something I haven't opened up myself to receiving? You know, the church in America, this is our issue. It reminds me of several years, 20 some years ago now, when we used to travel, we were on the road and we were coming back from an out of town, I think it was a summer youth camp and someone else was driving and we were asleep. We had the big trailer and we were coming down 75 and we were almost at Cartersville. We we're about a mile from that exit, 290 I think it is, Highway 20. Almost home, about 20, about 30, 35 minutes away from home. And I'm sleeping, and it's middle of a Saturday morning, like 2.30 a.m. We're exhausted. We've ministered all, and we were like, we're not going to stay in the hotel up there. Let's, everybody wants to get home. And we run out of gas. And the guy who was driving just wasn't paying attention. And uh, he, he lovingly said, you know what? I was driving. It's my fault. I'll figure a way out. And so he hitchhiked down to the exit, bought a gas can, and came back with gas. And, you know, it's middle of the summer. It's, we're sweaty and hot. We're ready to be home. He, and we're like, oh, great. There he is. And he pours that gas in, and he gets in. The, and I thought something smelled funny. And he started the van, and all, it ran for about two, three seconds. And there was this go, and white smoke came actually from this area back here. And I said to him, Jerry, did you put gas in the van? He said, yeah. I said, are you sure? Because you smell like diesel. He had put diesel fuel now we got to figure a way out. Go get a hotel room 35 minutes away from home. And I, the Lord brought that to my mind this weekend in prayer. That's like the church just kind of, we weren't paying attention. We just ran out of what makes us the church. And we sent somebody to go get some, go get some, go get some lights 
and a fog machine. That'll get us going and get, go get a, go get somebody that can smile and talk. Give us a good TED talk. And it started up and it two or three seconds and it's over. What about your life? Have you run out? Have you tried to fill it with, with other things? This past week, Pastor Arvo and I were out in Portland, Oregon become friends with Dr. Frank DiMazio lately, and he's based out of the Pacific Northwest. For many years, he poured his life into Manor House Church and um, Portland Bible College. And he had been begging. He said, you've got to come out for our conference. Ministers, Fellowship International, Global Leadership Conference. And so I said, we'll come. And I, Pastor Arvel and I went. We flew out Monday or Tuesday. We were out there and came back Thursday. And uh, on our way out, I said, I, I don't know what this is going to be like. I mean, you know, you go to a conference in Portland, Oregon, you're like, and so we're even walking up. We pull into the parking lot. And I go, we're here all week. I hope this is good. I literally said that we walked in and I was like, something is different. Spent three days in that conference. Hear me, brothers and sisters. And I heard pastors from California, Portland, Seattle, Brazil, a missionary that spent 54 years in China. And I got to tell you, it rocked me. How did it rock me? A couple things. First, just walking in, I was like, we are so religious in the South. We are so shallow. Not at restoration. And I say that sincerely. This is a... This is an authentic, passionate, spirit-filled community. But my heart was grieved because we have a lot of that spirit of Nicodemus in this community. And what does Nicodemus need? He needs to see Jesus. To where Nicodemus goes, you are doing it different than we're doing. And that's, that's I need some of that. Are you all out there? And you go, Pastor Chuck, for real, Portland? I, for real. Had a pastor Late 30s, pastoring downtown Portland. And he started talking about what God's doing in his church, a, a spirit-filled church. He's West Coast guys. He said, and, he, and he said, my friends text me and they go, how do you pastor in Portland downtown? What are the schools? What are your, where do your children go to school? And he, something rose up in him. He said, I'm pastoring in downtown Portland because that's where I'm called to pastor. And I'm down there, and God is blessing it. I'm declaring His truth, and He's pouring out His Spirit. And we're having to add more services. Why? Because where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Had dinner one night with a guy from San Francisco, the Bay. They just had to purchase 80,000 more square feet and paid cash for it. A spirit-filled church. I'm talking spirit-filled, the real deal. In San Francisco, somebody say, wait, what? <laughs> Two guys from Los Angeles, another couple from Rhode Island, Boston, a guy from Brazil, 17 campuses. God is pouring out his spirit. We're in the Bible Belt. We should know better. 
but we're not appreciating who we are. We got some tools that we're not using. They're in our toolbox. Do you know China right now is sending missionaries by the thousands to America? That missionary said, within 30 minutes, if we need a prayer meeting in our house churches, we can get a message out and we'll have two or 300 people in 30 minutes in China. God help us. He looked and he said, I know I've spent time in prison. This guy's in his late 70s. I've been in prison two or three times. And many of you look at me and you feel sorry for me. And he looked out about that vast audience and he said, I feel sorry for you all because you're not getting to see what I'm seeing. God help us. Missionaries from Brazil coming to America. Brothers and sisters, could it be there's something, there's an ingredient we're missing? Could it be we've been born of water, but we've kept the Holy Spirit on a short leash? Or anybody out there hearing what I'm saying? Could, th could that be why greater things aren't happening more regularly? Could that be why... We're struggling to raise our children. Could it be that, you know where I'm going with this. Yes, it could be. But at Restoration Church, as I shared last week with you, I was in Fort Worth the week before, 3,500 kids, 20s and 30-somethings. God pouring out a spirit. You look around, you're like, how many saved heroin addicts can be in one sanctuary? God, give us some people like that. How many people can be redeemed from transsexuality and homosexuality? Can you build a church, Andrew, out of people like this? Well, in six months, they filled up their 3,500-seat sanctuary with them. God is pouring His Spirit out, brothers and sisters. And we say, bring it on, Lord. Bring it on. And it starts... Right here, it starts by us going, the kingdom of God, we won't say it's in San Francisco and Portland. We'll go, it's here. It's, it's within us. That exact same thing is within us. Praise your name, Jesus. Praise your name, Jesus. It started about three weeks ago, messages coming in, emails, texts. Miracles are happening in our church. Prodigals coming home. People being healed. Knees being healed. Lower backs being healed. I got a voice memo from somebody this week. Another car. We got our refrigerator healed, or freezer. They got their car. The dealer said, it's going to be a couple thousand dollars. You need a new transmission. No, we don't. We need a little more anointing oil. Prayed over that thing. You should hear the voice memo. I would tell them, but I don't have their permission. God healed their transmission. <laughs> I, I'm okay if you look at me a little sideways. You're Nicodemus, I'm not. The wind comes, we don't know where it came from. I don't know anything about transmissions, but I know how to pray. I know the God who knows all about transmissions and a few other things. Are y'all out there? Are you hungry for the kingdom of God to break out in your life? Are you hungry, truly? 
to be a kingdom living person, that you are a river, the low places of your life have welcomed the eternal flow of who God is to get to all the dry open places so that you can bring life there. Anybody hungry for more? If you're hungry for more, come on, jump to your feet right now and let's lift our hands and just tell the Lord, Lord, greater things, that's our inheritance. More of you, more of your glory, more of your kingdom, more of your power, more salvations in the name of Jesus. Father God, I pray over this beautiful congregation of people that you will deliver us from Southeastern Bible Belt Shoulders up religious experiences only. We ask for a book of Acts outpouring in this church in these last days. That faith will be multiplied, not just increased, but multiplied. Give us the problems of the early church. Acts chapter 12 says, Peter was in prison, but the church was earnestly praying and seven verses later, that apostle was knocking on the door. Let me in this prayer meeting. I've been miraculously let out of prison. Do you believe the Bible's true? We need some of that. In the name of Jesus. We need some of that. What if God saved 25,000 people in the next two months in Atlanta? Where will we put them? I don't know. They didn't know in the first church either, but we just got low places going, we're open. Come on, flow this way. Hallelujah. Would you put your hand on somebody's shoulder, both people standing by and just, just pray right now. Holy Spirit, I pray, Lord, in a real and biblical, authentic way, we are so desperately hungry for you, Lord. Pour your spirit out on us, Lord. You are the God who is real. You are alive. Your word is true. We will, not be, we will not settle for hearing stories from Brazil and China. We are not happy reading about Smith Wigglesworth and Leonard Ravenhill and Reinhard Bonnke. Lord God, raise up some Daniels. Raise up some Smith Wigglesworth. Raise up some new evangelists. Raise up some pastors. Raise up some prophets in this hour. In this city, Lord, that's being so confused, so much religious dogma and so much religious mud, deliver us, Father. May we declare your word over the people in this community that they will come to know you. And may you, Holy Spirit, you come to do one thing, exalt Jesus, magnify Jesus. And Jesus, you said, if we lift you up, you will draw all men to yourself. Just right now, would you take 30 seconds and just make it personal? Just you and the Lord, tell the Lord, I want everything your word says I can have. And by faith, I'm gonna contend for it. The kingdom within the kingdom is gonna break out in my life, in Jesus' name. Born of water, born of spirit, born again. I can see the kingdom and I have entered it. I'm off the sidelines. I'm in the game in Jesus' name, filled with your spirit. Right now, we should just linger right here for just a minute. You can't, we can't hurry right out of here if you're hungry for the Holy Spirit. We magnify you, Lord. We need a fresh wind. We need a fresh wind. Breathe on us, Lord God. We exalt you, Jesus. We praise your name. We magnify you, Jesus. We need a fresh wind. The fragrance of heaven. Pour 
Father, we give you our hearts. We surrender to you. And I want to encourage you, brothers and sisters. I know many of your small groups are meeting tonight. And I, I want to encourage you to really lean into, is there an ingredient we need more of or a whole lot of? What, what do we need to do to become candidates for God to continue to write the book of Acts here in our church? In Jesus' name. And so I pray that it, in all of our meetings, prayer meeting on Tuesday, the stuff we have coming up this week, Lord, we want to be people, we, we want to be oily people, anointed people. People who, Psalm 133, we walk together in unity and it's like there's a dripping anointing, more than enough that flows down Aaron's beard. And we see miracles, our children see miracles. Our grandchildren see miracles in Jesus' name. I told the first church, the first service this, and I, I pray for me that God will give me wisdom. But I'm having a hard time sitting back and not saying stuff. You know, for a national minister to hold a cessationist conference, to try and explain why God no longer does what God's doing, and you have to pay $299 to go to it. I bet you no international people were there. Because the church in the Middle East, they'll tell you, if they didn't have the Holy Spirit, if they didn't have miracles, they were dead in the water. It's, and there are millions, and even in our city, around sexual issues, brothers and sisters. I love every pastor in this community, and I pray for them. And I will never talk one of them down so we can lift ourselves up. But there is heresy. There is ungodly teaching that is so crafty if you don't have the holy spirit it's hard for you to hear what is really being said we've got to be people of the truth and people of the spirit head and heart truth and spirit am i right about it in the name of jesus people god won't the Holy Spirit won't come and confirm something that's not His Word. And people will be lost and struggle in bondage and sexual deviancy. God help us. Deliver me, Lord, from any double talk, any performance. May I live what I preach. I don't know why I just I feel so lit. I call you to be people of the word and people of the spirit. Loving people. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. It's not legalism or judgmentalism. But the Bible says that we should warn believers in the days that we see widespread heresy that people are embracing. I love you. I love you too much. And I love, the, I love the Lord too much. I'm not the perfect pastor, but I have enough integrity to know his spirit in me just cries out. 
We've had people in this church delivered from homosexuality, from transsexual stuff. Not loveless truth, truthful love. Amen? In Jesus' name. Be encouraged. Pray for Israel. And let's believe God is coming back soon. Look up, our redemption draweth nigh. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious unto you. Lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Tell five people around you, Maranatha, baby. Maranatha.